Do you feel helpless when you keep trying to get back on the fitness and health wagon with little or no success? Exercise does not have to be an all-or-nothing approach to good health. Welcome to You Only Stronger with your host, fitness expert Michael Skog. You'll learn how to make small and larger changes you can apply, no matter what your age or fitness level is. Get ready to take charge of your fitness and glory years. Now, here's Michael Skog. Good morning, guys. Happy Monday. It's a beautiful day here. We had a beautiful weekend. Uh, spring has finally shown up. Uh, it makes me happy. In fact, uh, when I'm done talking to you, I'm going to get ready and I'm going to head to the beach and go surfing. So, um, how about that? How you like me now? Um, Okay, so a couple announcements before I jump into this, and uh, let me just remind you that today's topic is medicine, or excuse me, exercise, the best medicine. Um, if you caught my little uh, my little preview that that I tossed up on Facebook, um, I'm quite certain that a, a lot of you out there have uh, you've already heard um, some of this stuff, but we're going to give you some scientific basis to it. So it's not just eat a banana because it'll take care of your cramps. Although that's a that's a wives' tale. Don't uh, don't follow that. In fact, eat bananas sparingly. Anyway, I digress. Um, announcement: May twenty sixth coming up. I'm running a certification. Sign up ahead of time. Save twenty percent. Um, I want to talk about an upcoming trip. I'm going to Iceland to run a certification over there for that uh, for that country, and um, I'm going to do a live broadcast. May second is the date. A live broadcast from Iceland, and now he he hasn't been able to commit 100%, but he's doing everything within his power to be there. But uh, Thor Bjornsson, he is the mountain. He is on. Um, on the Game of Thrones, for those of you that are big fans of Game of Thrones, his, the mountain, his name is Thor Bjornsson. Uh, he, it looks like, is going to be a special guest. So I will be interviewing him. And um, just prior, he is going to be competing in the world's strongest man competition. And uh, he's slated to win this year. He has been a second-place guy for a, a couple years now. And, um, and this is his year. And this guy is impressive. He's impressive. And at the very least, I get to hang out with him. Um, and uh, I'm going to take lots of photos. And I'm going to feel very, very small next to this guy. Um, and I don't feel that very often. So it's going to be interesting. New feeling. Uh, what else can I tell you other than um, other than movement? Movement is key. And, you know, heading into our pandiculation today, uh, we're going to address the feet. And the reason we're going to do this is we're heading into warm weather. And a lot of you out there, including myself, we like to go from wearing shoes to wearing flip-flops or barefoot. And uh, you can't just jump into it from shoes to uh, barefoot because your foot is not ready. You've been putting a sole on the bottom of your foot and really taking away its job of uh, flexing and stretching and creating uh, a stable base underneath your body. Um, you put a sole underneath your foot and you take away you take away that uh, that activity. So uh, today we're going to cover something 
that I call short foot. Short foot is exactly what it sounds like. We want to try and manipulate the length of our foot, make it shorter. The easiest way to do this is if you're barefoot or in or with with your shoes off. Now you can accomplish this with your shoes on. Maybe you don't have a choice. Maybe you have to have your shoes on. But um, later when you try this, take your shoes off. And I want you to place a towel on the floor underneath your feet because you are going to actively pull that towel in bun- in a bunching pattern and uh, try to bunch it up um, with activity and then uh, and then repeat. Um, okay, so here we go. Um, feet are flat on the floor, knees at 90 degrees, tighten your calves. And then what I want you to do is drive your heels into the floor and then curl your toes down so they're biting into either the shoe or the carpet or the floor. And slowly draw your toes in, keeping your calves flexed. Draw your toes in towards your heels as if you're trying to shorten your foot. We're going to hold that for five, four, three, two, one, and relax. Now, this is more than just curling your toes under. I don't want you to curl your toes under, but some of you may have to start there to just develop this neural pathway. What I really want you to do is I want you to think of your arch when it's extended and then when it's contracted. So your arch is going to rise when you do this. So for those of you that have fallen arches, this is a good exercise for that as well. This is also a great exercise for those that, that suffer plantar fasciitis or fasciosis and you're going through a treatment plan. This is the exercise component to that plan. All right. So let's do it again. So flatten your foot out as long and as wide as you possibly can. Drive your heel into the floor. Squeeze your calves. Hold that contraction in the calves, separate your toes, and now let's draw back nice and slow. Our arch is climbing. Our toes are are pulling in, and we're going to hold for five, four, three, two, one, and relax. Now, we're only going to do two reps. I'm going to leave it up to you to do the other three and do this daily. This is a good one. Um, when you get out of bed, just swing your legs over the side, set your feet on the floor, and do it in a seated position. When you get good at this, you can do it standing. You can do it all the time. In fact, I find myself just kind of flexing my feet uh, throughout my day. That keeps my feet happy. Otherwise, um, my feet get really angry because I'm on my feet all day and I'm so active. And uh, maybe, especially those that are in a service industry, if you're on your feet all day, whether you're cutting hair or or you're a uh, server in a restaurant or a bartender or, or just wherever, whatever your job has you doing and you're doing it on your feet, this is a really good thing to, really good practice to uh, plug in daily. Short foot, all right? If you have questions about that, email me at michael at scottkettlebell.com um, or you can uh, you can message me on Facebook. What I tend to do is I tend to answer questions with video. So I you know I believe in visual. Visual is a lot your your ability to learn visually um, is is I don't know what the statistic is, but it, for me I, I I learn better visually than auditory. So Today, exercise, the best medicine. You ever have a 
you ever have a crappy day and um, and you have a uh, workout scheduled every day, it's your routine, and you know that uh, the only thing you want to do is just get to your workout because you can just let all your cares melt away during that hour. Um, and then you feel great when it's all done. And we like to simplify this and just call it an endorphin rush. Well, there's more to it than that. And we're going to find out exactly what that is today. And, uh, you know, if you do not exercise, your chance for comorbidities increase. And what are comorbidities? Um, well, that's, that's uh, two or more um, issues that are combined based on whatever the diagnosis is. And uh, some of those are cancer and heart disease, uh, diabetes, obesity, addiction, depression. That's where we're headed today. And orthopedic injuries. Uh, you should move at least 30 minutes a day to prevent this. 30 minutes a day. So whether that's a brisk walk or you're throwing a Frisbee in the park, that's movement. We're just talking about movement. And my intro to my show is all about movement. And remember my first episode, Second Chances? Well, this is not an all or nothing deal. If you blow it today, that's okay. Do Make up for it tomorrow, all right? So don't think that you have to go after this with an intensity level that uh, matches that of, of a high-performance athlete. That's not what exercise is about. Exercise is just movement. And, uh, and we want to move. We want to move our entire lives so we can move our entire lives. As a culture, uh, we are not an exercise culture. In fact, only uh, 21.7% of American adults exercise according to the minimum standards, and that's 150 minutes a, a week. So you got to do better than that, guys. You got to move. It doesn't mean you have to lift weights. doesn't mean you have to uh, go to CrossFit and uh, operate at 100% intensity level every day. In fact, that, uh, that has a diminishing return, and I've discussed that before. High intensity takes the joy, the fun out of the activity. So operate between a 60 and 80% range, which is a moderate range. Um, that's your heart rate um, is what I'm referring to. Operate at that level and uh, you'll find that, that you'll, not only, uh, you'll not only feel great but uh, you'll be happy while you're doing it instead of suffering during the whole process. And uh, real quick, I'll just tell you how to figure out what your heart rate uh, percentages are. And um, you take 220 minus your age, and that is, uh, that's 100% of your maximum cardio output. Now, to find your, uh, your heart rate, you, um, let's go left hand up, palm up. And um, you take your right hand and you grasp your wrist from the bottom side and your index and middle finger fall on the, uh, the medial side of your forearm, which is the inside, your thumb side. And you're going to pick up your pulse right there. So find your pulse. Do a count, a 10-second count, and then multiply that by 60 and you will find what your heart rate is. That's just a real quick 
uh, a dirty uh, explanation on how to how to find your heart rate. All right, guys. So we are heading into our break. And when we come back in three minutes, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Orna Isaacson. This is going to be a good one. Um, she's a very smart lady. And I love her. All right. We will see you shortly, guys. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Michael Skog has created an at-home workout program available through VirtualSkog.com. Virtual Skog is used in 38 countries worldwide. It's a program created for all ability levels with workout progressions built in. There are over 90 workouts to choose from. These workouts range from 20 minutes to just over an hour. All of the workouts are downloadable to the app to use later. Content includes kettlebell, bodyweight exercises, and yoga with new material added monthly. Visit virtualscog.com today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is You Only Stronger with Michael Skog. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to michael at skogkettlebell.com. Now, back to You Only Stronger. And we're back. Um exercise, the best medicine. Now, um, my special guest today is Dr. Orna Isaacson. She's a naturopath. Her specialty is mental health. Um, I think uh, we're all quite aware of the physical uh, benefit to exercise, but there's a mental component that is just as powerful and important. And um, that that is Orna's specialty. And, um, and I was uh, pleased to learn that um, just recently. Now, uh, Orna is a, is a member at the gym, so I had easy access to her, and, and I kind of put, <laughs> put her on the spot. And I asked her to be a, uh, a guest, and how could she say no to me, right? How could you say no? 
How can you say no to Michael Scog? That's right. That's right. And uh, so Orna is a natural path, and I'm going to toss it to you, Orna. Why don't you tell us about you? My phone's dropping off off me. Um, So as Michael said, I'm a naturopathic physician licensed in the state of Oregon. Um, I see patients in my clinic in Northeast Portland, so Lilo Natural Health Center, and a lot of my work revolves around mental health because changing your mind can change your life. Nature paths work on not just symptoms. We don't work on symptoms or conditions. We work on people. We help people. So we see that mental health and physical health are not separated. We have this idea in Western society that you can deal with people in pieces, um, but our view is you look at the whole person because how you deal with stress, how I deal with stress, how you get sick, how I get sick are going to be different, even if they're the same technical diagnoses. So I wanted to just say for the folks who aren't familiar with naturopathic medicine, um, we have very similar training to medical doctors. We're trained to be primary care physicians. Um, We have the same core biomedical training, hundreds of clinic hours, but with an additional focus on clinical nutrition, herbal medicine, counseling. Um, And even though we're trained as primary care, we often end up doing what I call tertiary care. So people go to see their primary care doctor, they may go to see a specialist, and when that doesn't get things figured out, then they come to see us. Um, So we focus on finding the root causes, why people are sick, not just playing whack-a-mole with symptoms, and some form of exercise is almost always part of the prescription, and we're almost always dealing with mental health because... Because who doesn't have some experience with needing that help? In my practice, I've been in practice for nine years, and I have had one patient who was not stressed. Like one. She was also exercising, so I didn't really need to, like, add to that for her. But Are we a stressed society, do you think? (laughs) um, I don't know. Let me... Let me turn on my alarm and rush to the be- to the shower and cram food in my mouth so that I can be where I'm supposed to be at whatever time in the morning. Um, I think that yeah, we're designed to to be a stress culture. We're trying to jam in more stuff than most humans can do. So would so, you? Uh, now, this is about exercise. Would you uh, agree mm-hmm. that a- exercise is as effective as antidepressants for mild or moderate depression? The research, I mean, individuals have their own experience. So there are going to be some people who say, I tried that, it didn't work for me, or I tried that and it was the best thing ever. Um, and that's important to know for yourself. But when you look at the published scientific literature, which tries to come up with an answer that will be generally applicable, what we see is that exercise can be as effective as therapy, can be as effective as prescription medications. Um, For people who are seriously depressed or have serious mental health conditions, I always recommend counseling just so there's somebody you're checking in with regularly um, so there's somebody, in, there's like a person whose job it is to have your back, but the research shows that 
exercise can work just as well as either of those two things. So uh, this is what I know. Um, I know that uh, that American doctors they are quick to prescribe pills or uh, mm-hmm. psychotherapy. It uh, exercise doesn't even enter into the conversation until those two uh, avenues are exhausted. Where mm-hmm. um, you look at some uh, some countries like Canada or Australia, Australia or New Zealand. And it's the very first thing they uh, prescribe. And then they revisit and add um, psychotherapy and meds um, as a supplement to the exercise. Exercise never goes away. So that is the foundation that therapy or uh, depression, beating depression is built on. Um, mm-hmm. is it, so as a naturopath, how do, what do you guys think of exercise? I mean, how do you approach exercise as a, uh, a prescription? Well, exercise is a first-line therapy. I mean, you know, you talked in your introduction about how it's important to move, and it doesn't really matter whether it's Frisbee in the park or whatever. You know, a lot of us talk about movement as a prescription rather than exercise because exercise has become such a fraught term. It's like, yeah, I know I should exercise, and it just becomes one more thing you put off in our society. But it's, it's part of everything we do. I have a, a treatment plan, like a pre-made form that I give to all my patients. Um, and there are blank spots to fill in, you know, take this much fish oil or this many B vitamins or whatever. But there's a part on the top that doesn't change, that just has check marks. And one of those things is exercise. And one of those things is spend time outdoors. So it's part of every prescription. And in terms of, I mean, and the other thing I want to say is that in terms of health overall, there, there, the secret is there is no secret. We all basically know what we need to do. We know we need to be physically active to some degree, whether that's walking or going to a gym or surfing. Nobody's jealous that you're doing that later today, Michael. Um, (laughs) We know we need to eat good food. We know that has to include vegetables, and we know that needs to not include a lot of donuts and sugar. Um, We know we need to drink water. We know we need to minimize. We need to, you know, be reasonable with our levels of alcohol, and we probably shouldn't smoke. Like we know all of those things, but we're constantly looking for some new magic thing that either packages it in a way that's appealing or tells us we don't need to do things. Like the study that came out um, or the, the report that came out a couple of years ago that says there's no research behind the efficacy of flossing our teeth. So now we're like, oh, we don't have to floss our teeth. Just because there's no research doesn't mean it's not good and useful. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we know it, what we need to do. We just need to do it. So you find that research like that, like uh, the flossing, um, don't you think that's cherry-picked data? Um, I mean, l- let's face it. If there's controversy, it's news. And then 
one thing about us is uh, our news has become entertainment and our entertainment has become news. So if, if we can create some sort of controversy surrounding a study and, and create an argument that maybe goes against, um, you know, goes against your thinking, isn't that, uh, isn't that kind of where we head as, uh, as a society? I, yeah, I mean, the, the issue, so I'm a recovering news reporter, so I have opinions when it comes to this. What that, what the flossing thing was really about was that a government agency was making recommendations with, that were not based on science. So that's what that was. And yeah. it's not that, I think we all understand that flossing is useful, even if we don't understand why. Um, it's probably breaking up biofilms. It's certainly stimulating circulation, all of which improves oral health. But the issue, the issue was a political issue of government agencies, um, making policy without having a scientific rationale. And as a journalist, I can see that as a reasonable, um, as a reasonable thing to point out. What's not reasonable is to take home the message that flossing is therefore not something you should ever do because there's no science behind it. Um, But there is, but when it comes to mental health and exercise, there's plenty of science behind it. Good, 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 good. So um, we are about two minutes out from our commercial break and then we'll take three three minutes give everybody well you and i'll have three minutes of silence other than what we banter about but um Mm -hmm. as we head into our next block what i'd like to do is i'd like to um i'd like you to talk about uh you know any any case studies or any experience you have you have any stories that you can share that maybe uh our audience can relate to um, as far as uh, exercise goes and mental health. Um, now, of course, you're not going to name any names, and I don't anticipate you will, but I have a story that I want to tell as well. So when we come back from our break, um, let's uh, let's talk about experience. How's that sound? Will do. Awesome, awesome. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I want to uh, I want to leave everybody with a thought is, is that exercise is, isn't a cure-all, and antidepressants do work. But uh, one thing that's for certain is once a, uh, a, a person who's suffering from depression tries exercise, they rate it as an awesome experience, that it's the best treatment, and uh, it's, it's extremely effective and it comes at a low cost. And not everything is low cost today when it comes to uh, our uh, health care. So um, with that uh, with that thought, I'm going to uh, say we'll see you shortly, guys. We're heading into our next break. And um, when we return, we're going to talk about experience. We'll see you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Michael Skog has created an at-home workout program available through virtualskog.com. Virtual Skog is used in 38 countries worldwide. It's a program created for all ability levels with workout progressions built in. There are over 90 workouts to choose from. These workouts range from 20 minutes to just over an hour. All of the workouts are downloadable to the app to use later. Content includes kettlebell, bodyweight exercises, and yoga with new material added monthly. Visit virtualscog.com today. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Fire can destroy your home, your business, and your life in seconds. On Speaking of Fire, with co-hosts Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, we investigate fire, the origin and causes, and provide important information to prevent accidental fires and save your life, loved ones, and your property. We speak to experts about technology, investigative research, and insurance issues with regard to fire. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is You Only Stronger with Michael Skog. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to michael at skogkettlebell.com. Now, back to You Only Stronger. So, uh, on our break, Orna... And I continued to talk, and um, we talked about some some interesting stuff. And uh, and as we were heading into our break, we were talking about cherry pick, cherry picking data from um, from studies, from research. And one thing that came to mind, and we don't have to expound on this much, but I just want to drive this point. Uh, several years ago, the BBC put out a uh, a study. And well, actually, they made a claim that uh, exercise was ineffective as a therapy. Um, but what they didn't, what they failed to mention is, with this case study, that exercise was uh, was present with psychotherapy and meds. So you had all three, and uh, this particular case study, it didn't, uh, it was ineffective. So what they did is they just cherry picked. They said, "Oh well, it must be exercise. Exercise doesn't work." Anyway, I um, I digress, and uh, and we are back and uh, ready to talk about. Um, uh, well, let's talk about meds and and a thing that uh, Orna and I just discussed what was St. John's Wort. So um, I'm going to just leave it there, Orna, and uh, and let you take over. Um, 
it was fascinating so, what you said about the St. John's Award. So I, I didn't prepare this study for the talk today, but um, there was a study. I learned about it in my research class in medical school, so it's, you know, 15 years ago or more, where researchers looked at St. John's Wort, Prozac, and placebo for major depression. So they had um, patients taking St. John's Wort or taking people with major depression, taking St. John's Wort or taking Prozac or taking, you know, a sugar pill. And they looked to see what the effects were. And the headline of the article was that St. John's Wort doesn't work. Now, they St. John's Wort technically isn't used for major depression. So they were using the wrong intervention. They probably weren't using the right form of St. John's Wort or the right amounts of St. John's Wort. But the headline notwithstanding, when you go into the study and actually look at what they found, what they found was Prozac, St. John's Wort, and placebo were not significantly different in their effects. So it's not that St. John's work didn't work. It's that Prozac also didn't work. Ah. Um, and we know that people take these meds and some people don't do well on them. A lot of people don't do well on them. And we know some people take these meds and it turns their lives around. So it gets to the question of research and data and what is good data and you know, the data is good enough that the drugs can be on the market and be, you know, mental health drugs are like the number two most popular drugs, um, prescription medications in the United States. So we know that people are using them and presumably having some decent effects from them. But the side effect profile of all of these medications um, is kind of different from the side effect profile of exercise. And as we were talking about earlier, the idea of what should be the first-line treatment, if people can't get out of bed because they're so depressed, and I've definitely seen this, it may be that they need a drug to get them to the point where they can shower, where they can eat, and then you use that momentum to get them to the gym or get them to whatever form of exercise is going to work for them, and then that helps. And then maybe you can, they can wean off the meds, which isn't always so easy, but maybe then they don't need the meds. There are some people who that's the first step. Um, but if somebody can get off the couch and, you know, even do like mini push-ups against the stairs or something, just get something started, that can get the ball rolling in a happier direction. Inactivity, it, it's a vicious cycle. Inactivity causes depression and, and depression causes inactivity. So how do you break yeah. that cycle? Um, well, it sounds like uh, sometimes medication is, is the, right, uh, the right jump start to get somebody going in that direction. And then what do you think? Do you think that, um, that maybe at some point the medication can uh, either um, diminish in its dosage or drop off altogether as, uh, as somebody progresses into a plan? Possibly, Look, It depends right? on the person. It depends on the medication, but absolutely. And yeah. you wanted to talk about stories. Can I do a story here? Yeah, please do. So I had a patient who came to me, it's many years ago now, I'm still, he's still one of my patients, um, and I, I checked in with him that I'm allowed to use his story. He came in, he was on, 
he was on some antidepressants, um, anxious and depressed, and we started weaning him off that. But so here's the story about him. He, he is a fan of the University of Oregon football team, the Ducks. And he's a fan in the original sense of the word fan. He's a fanatic. And he freely, he freely says this. It's his religion. He puts like so much of his passion into following, following Ducks football. It's a really, it's just a big deal for him. And many of your listeners may not have heard of the Oregon Ducks because it's been um, traditionally sort of a mid-level team. But in 2011, they, they got into the, and I'm not a big follower of the Ducks, so if I get this a little wrong, please forgive me. But in 2011, they were in the national championships. And my patient was like, this is our moment, this moment that could never have happened. We're almost there. We're going to climb the mountain. We're going to be at the top. And then they lost. And he ended up, he, I checked in with him because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Um, he said that when they lost it, hit him really hard, and he basically didn't get out of bed all day the day after except to vomit. Oh. So, so he, it's, it, he, he realized that this was perhaps a little extreme and um, decided to seek help. And when the Ducks were in the championship again a few years ago, you know, he set, off, he set aside a couple of days afterwards off work just in case. But he was, you know, he was sad when they lost again, but he was resilient. And one of the big changes that he had made, you know, we had, we had talked about diet and we've made some dietary changes. And there are some supplements that I'd prescribed that he sometimes takes. Um, but the biggest thing for him was that he started running. And he says that when he runs, it's like the anxiety just like drips off him. It just falls off him. And when the Ducks play now, especially when it's the more, you know, higher level games and so there's more investment in the outcome, he, he doesn't listen to the game. He goes for a run and he'll check his phone um, for, score, for the score every now and then. And that's how he manages this very intense anxiety around the performance of the Oregon Ducks football team. Wow. Fanatic is right. Yeah. Hey, people have their things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad things. It's a good thing. So I got a story. Okay. Now, um, this story is, uh, is certainly appropriate to the topic. Um, when I first opened uh, my gym, I had a guy that that came in every day and I won't use his name, but, um, he would come in and he would look, uh, he just had this blank stare. He was an older gentleman. I, I want to say he was close to 70. I knew that he was a philanthropist and he was very involved with all kinds of organizations. 
And um, and he would come in with this blank stare, and he would go through class. And I knew that it, I knew that I was going to have to do another workout because I was going to go rep for rep with him. Meaning, I would do one, he would watch me, and he would he would mimic. Um, he just didn't have the capacity to remember. In fact, I wasn't really sure that he was even home. You know, upstairs. So about mm-hmm. six months of this, um, day after day, and uh, and. I, I went to a, a fundraiser and he was there and um, he came up to me and introduced me to a bunch of his uh, his friends and he said, this guy saved my life. He said, um, there there were many, many occasions where I've, I was going to take a, a dive off, off my penthouse railing um, to the ground below, but you know why I didn't? I didn't because uh, I had an appointment with you, Michael. Because I had to come in mm-hmm. and I had I had to exercise and work out, and I knew that I was going to feel good during that hour and after that hour. And I just want to thank you for uh, being there, because uh, I I was I was a real challenge. And I took I, my takeaway from that was like a wow, I, you know, um, we all have our our value system and uh, where we place certain things um, in that value system isn't isn't congruent with everybody else's. And so what I thought I was providing was just a place for people to sweat and come and work out. Um, really, there was a lot more to it than that. There were layers that uh, I'd never really uh, explored on my own because I didn't have that need. And here's this guy who who had a need. He was suffering from depression. And I come to find out he had lost his position as this, uh, as this guy who was in charge of all this money and getting and keeping things moving in the philanthropy world. So that's my story. And uh, and that one really stuck with me. It had a big impact. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure that uh, the one your patient, I mean, wow, he uh, stayed in bed all day and he got up just to throw up. That's that's yeah. pretty intense. And so, you know, I have other examples of patients or friends who use exercise. I have a friend who's a nurse practitioner in a very intense practice and boxing, like I don't think in a ring boxing, but like beating up bags, I guess that's her magic. I have another patient who has pretty intense OCD and what ended up work, she tried a bunch of things and it was martial arts that worked for her. Um, So it's, you know, what you were saying about it being accessible, it's, it, it, it can be, it can be as simple as running or walking. For me, I started with, I had a little, little free weights and then I ordered a 30 pound kettlebell from Amazon because it was the cheapest one and I couldn't get it out of the box when it arrived. Um, but just having it at home, I can do something quickly if I'm nervous and need to sort of clear it. Or if I'm feeling really low and just wanting to hide from the world and watching too much Netflix, I can go upstairs and move a bell around for, you know, just a few minutes and feel a difference. And I just want to say that the research, when it looks at what works, not just in specific cases, but when you look at overall what the research shows, for depression, it's... 10 to 20 minutes, three times a week. So it's not, as you were saying before, it doesn't have to be intense. It just has to be something. And that 
relatively small amount um, can make a big difference. And with anxiety, it can be doing it once. Just once can help lower anxiety. Wow. So the prescription is pretty, it's pretty accessible. And having something at home, you know, whether, you know, I like kettlebells because it's a dear friend of mine got into them. Life-changing for her and her husband. They got back into kettlebells. They're in their 60s, and um, and they were all, like, cranky and depressed, and it, it turned them around. She felt like she got her life back. Um, that, so just having something at home that's accessible, you can do it in a couple of minutes between things to get started. Yeah. So you're a member of my gym. Um, I am. Now, one thing that I've that I've always maintained is all ability levels can participate at the same time. We don't have one class for uh, beginners, one class for the beasts. It's it's all inclusive. So you come to a class or you do my program, and it doesn't matter how you arrive. Um, everybody gets the same result from their workout. Um, and I, I, you can attest to this. Um, you, uh, your need to move brought you in, correct? My need to find something to help me with my mental health and that friend of mine who I mentioned before um, who told me about you, that's what brought me in. So how do you feel when you show up to a class? What is it like for you? What's your experience like? Um, there's the initial, oh, God, oh, God, am I going to be able to move when I leave? <laughs> uh, sorry. Sure. No, no. I, I um, like your candor. And, and, you know, I should say I'm the kid who hid in the corner in gym class because dodgeballs hurt and kids are mean. So I've never thought of myself as athletic. I've never been a gym person. I came in because I had a need. And I was like, these don't have to be my people. I just need to do this to see if I can feel better. Um, and, you know, that's, it's kind of funny. I'm working with the, like, smallest bell. Do you remember that? There's that one guy who was, I don't remember what he was doing, but he had double bells in each hand. Yeah. You have yeah, a yeah. photo of it on Instagram. Yeah. And I yep. remember going up to him and saying, do you remember when that was heavy? And he's like, yeah, but I've been doing this for a couple of years and it just clicks. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So, so yeah, for me, it's like the thing that's been nice is as somebody who's non-athletic, discovering that I can do something that is in that gym realm that I can do it at all is kind of crazy. And, you know, I couldn't lift the 30 pound bell I bought and now I'm lifting that 11, which is probably like 118 pounds. Yeah. I only do it yeah. three times. Like, it's not like I'm doing much with it, but like that I can move it off the ground at all. is kind of crazy. I think I'm stoked about that. I'm really proud of you because mm-hmm. you you know what's cool is you keep you keep pushing yourself. So you're you're exerting to a maximum potential and and that means you're just going to continue to improve as long as you do that every now and then. Uh, you don't have to redline well, all the time. 
Well, it's different for different people. One of the things that works for me about it is I like having a class structure, um, which is not surprising for somebody who spent roughly half her life in school that classes would work for me. Yeah. Um, I like that. And I have enough of, I'm not trying to like beat anybody else, but I kind of have that goal oriented thing where it's like, Oh, I can lift this weight. I wonder if I can lift the next one. And that's not how it's going to be for everybody. It doesn't have to be that way. You find the thing that works for you, but that, that kind of works for me. And the other thing, too, is that friend of mine who first told me about you, the first several months that I was going to your gym, I would text her after class and say, Jeannie, I went to SCOG today. And she'd be like, yay, Orna. And having that kind of accountability, I mean, it wasn't accountability. It was, it felt like something that I shared with a friend of mine. And that nice. made it more fun for me to do especially since it wasn't a thing that I was usually interested in doing. Well, I created. And and one other thing I want to say about classes, because this is really important, is if you're starting, if a person is starting with exercise, I always recommend that they see a personal trainer at least once so they get the form right. Because in our society, if one is good, 10 is better, and you can hurt yourself that way. So working with somebody who can make, who can help you not hurt yourself is really important for the success of exercise as a prescription. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, learn, <laughs> do it right, right? Do it right. right. Otherwise, it'll wrong you. Um, yeah. One thing about our program is, uh, is I, I created it so all walks of life, all ability levels can um, can can do the program. You do not have to be an athlete to do it. In fact, at some point, you're going to tap into that inner athlete because it's going to evolve. You're going to, well, in essence, create it. Um, and we use, we employ a thing called size, time, and tempo. Now, maybe you haven't heard that in a while, or maybe you never heard that from me, Orna, but uh, really it's, it's about the size of the bell. It's about the tempo you you run at and uh, how long you exercise or rest. And we're always encouraging people to take a break when they need a break, to go up when they feel they're ready to go up, and to uh, to move at a pace that's comfortable for them. So we are not drill sergeants. We're not in your ear. We're not barking. You are not trying to post numbers and go as fast as you can and compete with everybody around you. You know, this is a personal thing. This is about you. This is not about anybody else who uh, who's standing next to you or or um. Maybe who's doing this remotely? Um, I know that there are plenty of exercise communities out there where they're able to compete with each other, and we're not about that. We're about competing with self. So uh, maybe you You never heard my size, time, and tempo thing, but you're certainly feeling it. Well, it's interesting because it's, you know, as somebody who doesn't go to gyms, I don't have, I can't compare anything to say, oh, yeah, you do it differently. But it does, it is clearly part of what works for me because the drill sergeant thing is, yeah, that, that I wouldn't come back. Yeah, most wouldn't. Um, I, and the ones well, that thrive on... Well, somebody must on, like it. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are those that thrive on that sort of thing, but uh, they're they're typically not at, at the SCOG gym or doing the SCOG program. They're they're doing other programs like CrossFit. Man, I keep mm-hmm. busting on CrossFit. I don't mean to CrossFit because I'll be honest with you. I love your platform. I love the exercises you do. I just don't like the way you do them. So that's that. Um, so four minutes until close, Orna, why don't you uh, quickly tell us about your practice, where it is, and um, and anything else that might go with that, uh, that gratuitous promotion. <laughs> so my practice, uh, is in Northeast Portland. I'm licensed in the state of Oregon as a primary care physician. I take most insurance. Um, it's the practice is called Salilo natural health center. And it's sort of like my unspellable name. If you Google Orna naturopath or Orna Portland, it'll pop up. Um, I see patients here. I'm also working to create an online wellness consultation practice, which would be, there there are complications because of the license. Basically, if you can do an online wellness thing with somebody, it's more likely that they're a coach than a doctor because of the legalities of people having licenses, but I'm looking at ways to be able to offer some of what I do on a consulting basis rather than a medical basis um, to folks who are not in Oregon or can't come to Oregon to see me in my, in my clinic. I'm hoping to get that live in the fall. Are you accepting so, patients at your uh, practice? I am accepting patients at my practice. Right now, uh, you can book your own appointment online. I do need to see people in person for the first office visit. And then we can look at, in some cases, it's possible to do telemedicine. Certainly within Oregon, it's possible to do telemedicine. But in the clinical practice, um, it does have to be in person at least the first, at least the first time. When I set up the wellness consultations, there'll be a different, a different method for that. Um, I'm always going to talk about, you know, a first office visit is usually two hours because that idea of treating the whole person, not the person's symptoms, you have to start to get that 360-degree view of what's going on for somebody, you know, finding out about their mental health, their physical health, their experiences, how they respond to different things so that we can come up with the best um, treatment plan to get their needs addressed help them be strong and resilient um, in the world so that they can have the life they want instead of just focusing on their symptoms or their problems. Love it. I got got to wrap this up, Orna. So um, what I'm going to leave you with, and um, I'm going to tie this all together, is just know that there is no no silver bullet. And I've used that analogy in the past. there is no cure-all. Exercise is great. It's awesome. Meds work. Psychotherapy works. But one thing you need to do is you need to explore and make sure that exercise is one of those areas you explore. So uh, that really is kind of the, the, the message here in today's lesson. Give exercise a try. Just move. And it doesn't have to be intense. Just move. Now, join me next week. We're going to talk about women and weight training. Uh, that was a request by somebody, women in weight training, because there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there and, um, and there's also a lot of uh, misconceptions. So uh, join us next week. And uh, until then, 
Stay strong, guys, and uh, keep swinging. Uh, this is Michael Skog with You Only Stronger on the Voice America Network. This is the Variety Channel, and uh, you'll hear from me again soon. Have a good day. Thank you for listening this week to You Only Stronger. Please join your host and fitness expert, Michael Skog, again next Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to do Michael's assignment this week, and we'd love to hear your feedback on next week's show. 